system of files, home to the world's biggest stars. Get, get your hands up! Live on your radio. And you can check us out on your socials. <laughs> your favorite person, Serena. Bellissimo Files on Spit. And now your host, Serena Bellissimo. Good morning. How's it going? Serena here with you for the next couple of hours and I've got a massive show on the way. If you are a fan of the Netflix series, uh, films, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, the author behind that is Jenny Han. She has a new Prime Video TV series that you are absolutely going to love. It is called The Summer I Turned Pretty. I binged it all in one sitting. Yep, I was up to half one watching that show. And then the next day, I got to chat to the cast. They'll all be on today's show. They're going to be talking to us about what it was like to get the role and what they got up to the summer, um, during that summer. I'll also be chatting to Gabrielle Applin. She's back with new music. And up next, I'll be introducing you to our one to watch. It is Smith OJ. Oh, baby. The Bellissimo Files. One to watch. This week's Lund to Watch loves to bring 70s, 80s and 90s pop dance into his music. His first two singles hit number one on the Irish iTunes charts and I'm sure his latest single, Funky Touch, is going to do the same. It's Smith OJ. Smith, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. It's, it's nice to meet you. How excited are you about the new single? It's a very big single for me. It's a... It's one that I think shows the most of my personality, so I'm very excited. It's a perfect time to put out as well. Like, it is the perfect summer track. Yeah, you think so? Oh, I think so. I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. But before we talk more about the single, let's go back in time a bit. Mm-hmm. Only a few years ago, at the age of 16, you decided to drop all sports and take up yep. the lead in a school musical. How does that happen? And why does that happen? I was just singing to myself in school. I went to school in class, Kiran and crew. And, uh, yeah, so one of the teachers heard me singing and then she was like, you should audition for the school musical. And the school musical that they were doing that year was Hairspray. So it kind of fitted in, you know, racial, all that kind of stuff. And they needed black people to be on the show. And then I auditioned and they said, yeah, we love your voice, blah, blah, blah. I remember in the second audition I had for it as well, they pretended to laugh at me to see if I would react because I'd not done singing before on stage. So they wanted to see if... I had walked away. Would they, would they have picked me if I walked away? No. Yeah. I, I just stood there and I laughed with them, you know? So uh got picked for the musical as Seaweed. If you, if you watch Hairspray, you know Seaweed I love is. Seaweed, yeah. And since then, it's just been music, you know? And then, I mean, you were into your sports. And it was, was it as yeah. easy as going, OK, actually, sports isn't where I want to go. It is music. I didn't even know I had this in me. Sports is great. It's fun, you know? But it's when, like, you stop losing the passion for it and you're trying to... I was trying to basically satisfy other people's needs, like my coach's needs, my brother's needs. My older brother's scout for football teams, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, I I didn't actually want to progress with it. I just wanted to feel good myself. But now that I make music, it's like... It's, it's a different story, man. It just feels it feels better. It feels like I actually want to do this. So how did Matthew Morrison's Will Schuster from Glee inspire you? That Glee changed my life. If I didn't watch Glee as well, I don't think I'd be making music. Really? Yeah. How did that change your life? I think if you watch it at a certain age, you know, when you watch it when you're younger, you think it's all about music. Yeah. When you watch it at like 15, 16, you realise that there's a message behind all, all these episodes and you actually go into it and okay this makes sense i'm going to use this in my life and when you use it in your life 
you find out it works. It works out, you know? Did it help you find your own voice? Because that's the thing when you're when you're going into this industry as well. Mm-hmm. You're not going to succeed if you copy someone else. You succeed yeah. if you you are yourself. But sometimes finding your own voice is really tough. Definitely. Um, in terms of finding my own voice, I wouldn't say Glee helped in that way. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I know myself, I don't have the strongest voice. And I said, you know... I used to sing all that kind of, you know, Sam Smith, all these kind of songs, and I'd be like, yeah, my voice isn't the strongest. His, his voice is amazing. But what can I do to, you know, minimise the effort and but at the same time make it look like I'm giving a lot of effort in the songs? And pop funk was the way to go. And I tried it out. It took me a while to realise, OK, pop funk is for me, because I'd do all these ballads and all these songs where uh, they'd be slow on the piano. And it wouldn't work out very well, you know? They sounded really bad, really cheesy. Yeah. Really, really cheesy songs. I still think some of my songs are a bit cheesy, but then I was like, you know what? Let me try the funky sound to it. Let me see what that can do. And I tried it and it worked out. It sounds sounds good enough, you know, so. It's more than good enough. I'm absolutely loving it, Smith. So what's, what's the plan for the summer, for the rest of the year? After summer is to just release good music and keep it going you know consistency is the way to go non-stop uh, just push 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 because I feel like it's very hard to keep it going a lot of people even myself I have before Funky Touch I had not released in almost a year because I left my foot off the gas pedal not this time that's that's the plan for the summer just release music well can't wait to see what you do next if people want to follow you give us your social handles uh, my Instagram is at it's Smith OJ. Uh, my Snapchat is Smith OJ. Um, TikTok Smith underscore OJ. Spotify Smith OJ. You get it, guys. Smith OJ. Smith OJ. OJ. OJ you yeah, 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 yeah. Put that into Google, and he'll appear everywhere. Smith, good luck with everything, and thank you for joining us today. No problem. Thank you for having me on the show. Before I let you go, will you introduce your track for us? Hey, this is Smith OJ, and this is my new track, Funky Touch, on the Blissmo Files. One thing that I ask of you is only come and float my way. This is the Bellissimo Files. Exclusive to Spin. You're listening to the Bellissimo Files, where now we're catching up with the cast of a TV show I didn't even know about a week ago. It dropped yesterday, and it's now almost one of my favourite shows. It's called The Summer I Turned Pretty. It's based on Jenny Han's popular books. Jenny Han is the author behind the Boys I Loved Before movies. Well... She's done it again. This is phenomenal. In this one, it's a multi-generational drama, and but the, at the centre of it is a love triangle between one girl and two brothers. And then it's also about the their mothers and their ever-changing relationships. It is so, so good. I remember I was given the... I remember like it was ages ago. It was only last week. Um, but I was given seven uh, episodes to preview and I was going to watch a couple the night before, then watch a couple the day before the interview, and then I was going to leave a couple for afterwards. Well, three for afterwards. Yeah, that didn't happen. I ended up binging seven episodes (laughs) before I met the cast. Guys, congratulations on this. I was up binge-watching this till half one in the morning, so thank you. (laughs) I hope you slept so much. Don't get much sleep, but that's okay. Christopher, how did you feel when you first uh, read the script? Did you binge like I did? (laughs) 
Well, the first thing I ever read was just some sides. They didn't give me the full script at first, but I, I think what was clear from even those is just that the show has relationships that are explored that aren't explored in other things. And just the, the interesting relationships that, that are on display are really beautiful I think. I felt the whole gamut of emotions. Um, I went to bed sobbing last night. Lola how does it feel for you your first major role? How did you find out you got the part and how do you react to something like that? I I didn't know how to react kind of at the moment. Uh, I, uh, Jenny Han who wrote the books and is, was one of our showrunners and writers um, told me uh, that I was going to have, or I guess I was told by my managers, but that I was going to be on the Zoom for Jenny and the rest of the producers to get to know me. And I got on the Zoom and was talking with them for a little while. And then Jenny sort of like delivered the news that I had gotten the part. And I kind of like froze for a second because I, I I didn't know if I had heard her correctly, but um, I was freaking out and I called my mom afterwards crying because <laughs> I was at, away at school uh, and we kind of, you know, celebrated together over the phone and then I celebrated with my roommates later that night which was which was really nice but yeah it was unbelievable and so incredible to get that that call. Gavin this is all about summer and how incredible summer is I've been on all your Instagrams and you're all talking about how this felt like a summer camp um what was it like when you weren't filming? Um (laughs) man uh honestly that that summer off screen was probably one of the most fun. Um, spending it with these guys every single day, we were getting into some kind of trouble or fun, whether it was a <laughs> wiffle ball pool, sneaking into the pools, um, like all, going to the beach super late at night. Like there was always something fun to do with these guys. And I just got so lucky to be able to spend time with them and, and uh, bond, especially in the two weeks prior to filming. I think that we just all clicked so well. And uh it was just cool to build kind of like a small family away from family. So, Sean, what was that last day on set like? Yeah, I mean, that last day was unbelievably uh, just a swell of emotions. You know, it was sad and exhilarating and, and joyful and happy. I mean, it was a culmination of four months that we finally really felt like we were finishing this project together. And, and that was beautiful. But then knowing that I wasn't going to work with these guys for, for a very long time after that was just heartbreaking and knowing how far we've all come and how much we've let each other grow um, and how much I've learned from these guys. Like I like just these three people right here, I've learned more um, from them than anybody. And I know that that day was just for me, I cried a lot. I think a lot of people cried a lot. Well, I'm I'm thrilled that you're coming back for season two, so you get to have that last day all over again. But, guys, are you ready for... Can you even imagine how your life is going to change after Friday once this is out for the world to see? I just really hope people like it. You know, I just hope There's they, no doubt. I appreciate, you know, the relationships and the hard work that people put into the show. You know, the people working alongside us for four months, the crew, the producers, the creative team. Yeah, I think it's, I think like the most important part for us is just creating and having a project that we're proud of and that we're just excited for people to see. I think the, I think the other stuff is, is all just an extra cherry on top. But in reality, I think creating art with your best friends is probably one of the most fun things you'll ever do in your life. And uh, we're just lucky enough to be able to do that. I'm so happy you guys enjoyed making it as much as I enjoyed watching it. Cannot wait to be talking to you for season two. Enjoy all of this. I really do love the summer I turned pretty. It is available on Prime now. Files.
Rock is making its Irish premiere at the Borgosh Energy Theatre on June 21st. It runs until the 2nd of July. Playing Mrs Turner and Gordon is Joanna O'Hare. She joins me now to talk about the show and to share her favourite things. Joanna, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Joanna, how are you feeling about bringing the School of Rock to Ireland? I mean, this is a massive um, film that people love, but on the West End, it was a very popular musical as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, I think it translates so well onto the stage. Um, the It's obviously all about music and like seeing anything on stage with music is fantastic. It kind of punches you in the chest. And bringing it to Dublin is amazing because the Borgosh Theatre is just class like it's one of the best theatres you can tour to and we always have the best audiences and I know I don't know there's something so like warm and friendly about Dublin but what can audiences expect from this show they can expect a big laugh like it's a comedy start to finish it's filled with joy it's filled with laughter so if you just want a good night out come see School of Rock it is a fun night at the at the theatre as I said it runs at the Borgosh Energy Theatre from the 21st of June until the 2nd of July Joanna we're going to see you perform on stage during that time but now we want to get to know you a little bit more through your favorite things are you ready i'm ready yes what tv show are you obsessing over okay so at the minute i've been watching um everything i know about love on bbc it's a, an adaptation by dolly alderton but if you want all-time favorite it's got to be Grey's anatomy every really? year we watch Grey's anatomy over and over and over yeah uh, favorite film really embarrassingly titanic <laughs> forever favorite book I'm a huge reader. It's like my favourite thing to do ever. So it's, that's a hard one. Um, I think all-time favourite is A Little Life um, by Hanya Yanagihara. I haven't heard but of that I just one. read... Um, it's amazing. Japanese-American author. Um, it's a big chunk of a book, but you'll never want it to end. Um, and I think my favourite um, recent book is Sorrow and Bliss um, by Meg Mason. Um, it's a wonderful book about... Um, women and relationships and mental health and it's just beautifully written and I think it's going to win the Women's Prize for Fiction. The song that everyone should have on their pumped up playlist. Oh, I'm going to go Steps, Say You'll Be Mine for some <laughs> old school joy. <laughs> what podcast are you listening to right now? Well, my favourite podcast has to be The High Low, which is um, Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. They talk about like the weekly um, books and TV shows and articles and things that they've been listening to and reading. Um, and it's just finished, so I'm looking for a new one, actually. What app can't you live without? Well, <laughs> I thought about this and I was like, you know what? It's got to be notes because I am a list maker. I make lists for every occasion. Actually, you know what? I made a list for this interview. <laughs> Favourite account to follow on social media? I actually didn't have social media until about a month ago. Are if you, you believe that. How did you I know, stay on for so long? I had it years ago and then I just deleted it and I, I never needed it. But I've gone back on because... Um, you know, why not? And yeah. um, I'm going to say at School of Rock UK. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite thing to do on a weekend? Yoga. I like to read and I like to have nice food with my friends. But actually, <laughs> being on tour, coming back to my flat, I like just like sitting in my flat and like 
just relaxing and being there because you're, you're in so many places during the week. So just getting back is nice. Joanna, I'm assuming that come the 21st or the 2nd of July, that weekend, your favourite thing to do is going to be be on stage at the Borgosh Energy Theatre with School of Rock, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I couldn't look forward to it more. It's going to be amazing. Everyone in the cast is looking forward to it. Well, we cannot wait to see you on that stage. Joanna, thank you so much. Thank you. Cannot wait for the School of Rock, Borgosh Energy Theatre from the 21st of June. Let's go! What to watch. What to watch. Joining me now on the line is Deidre Malumbi. Dee, how's it going? It's going very well. How are you, Serena? I'm good. I was talking about the fact that, you know, coming up a little later on in the show, we're going to be catching up with the lady who saved Toy Story 2 because she's involved in Lightyear and that's one of the films that you're going to be talking about. Yes, I will be talking about both Lightyear and Good Luck to You, Leo Grande. Two really great movies out in the cinema this weekend. It's very worth the trip uh, going out to your local cinema. Okay, let's start with Lightyear because this is something that a lot of people have been looking forward to, but I've also been really cynical because, you know, you can't better the Toy Story franchise. No, you can't really. But to be honest, it's almost better. And I know the whole idea of this is that it's kind of the fictional astronaut. Andy would have watched this film uh, back in 1995. And that's what inspired him to buy the toy of Buzz Lightyear. But actually, it's a very different um, type of uh, movie, even though it is like inspired by that character and everything. So I would say go into it not quite comparing it to the Toy Story movies, because it is nothing like the Toy Story <laughs> movies. Um, it's much more of a kind of science fiction adventure. Um, so in this film, we are following the legend space ranger who is Buzz Lightyear as he embarks on a special intergalactic adventure uh, with some ambitious recruits and his robot companion. They are the only ones who can save the day when disaster strikes. <laughs> I love that day. He's a clip. Buzz Lightyear mission log. After a full year of being marooned on this planet, our first test flight is a go. Get everyone home. Good luck, Captain. We're counting on you. Roger that. A clip there from Lightyear who sounds nothing like Tim Allen because in this version, Buzz is played by Chris Evans. That's right, he's played by Chris Evans. And another thing that struck me upon uh, watching this movie was, it's funny that they say this movie was released in 1995 because it could not be t more 2022 <laughs> as you're watching it. Uh, but you know what? I have to hand it to Pixar. You know, 1995, that would have been, you know, Toy Story, their first big feature film. And I think that Lightyear really does show kind of a maturation and just them being so kind of at ease with what they produce. And um, yeah, there's just kind of a, a self-assuredness to this movie. It is very kind of old school. It's very adventurous. Uh, like I said, it's that kind of classical romp in space, but it does have all of those Pixar emotional beats, which is exactly what we go to see that studio's uh, movies for. So I, I quite like this film. I'd say it's probably not maybe as unique, um, maybe not as heartfelt as other Pixar features. Like, you don't have to worry. You won't quite be crying your eyes. Oh, out. I, but I did cry. There was a bit oh. where I cried. I went, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. Oh my gosh, you went there oh. and I cried. 
There is, actually, I do. I I do have an idea of the bit that you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, there are, there are definitely like emotional beats to it. Uh, there's also this robot cat character called Socks, who I thought absolutely made the movie. Now I am admittedly a cat person, but I just thought that he was a character that really livened things up, and he really brought a lot of uh, humor to the film when it was qu- kind of starting to look like a bit kind of dour, a bit kind of hopeless. And um, so I really liked him, and I really liked the fact that you know, in like you you do have this takeaway lesson for kids and for adults alike, which is that it is okay to um, make mistakes. I thought that that yeah. was something that was really kind of um, important in it. And me and a fellow uh, girlfriend who is also a big Pixar fan, like that was our biggest takeaway from it. And we really, we could really appreciate that message that, you know, we're kind of this generation that's grown up with Pixar and it still absolutely, uh, you know, really overwhelms and touches us. So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lovely movie. I did really like it. Yeah, it comes in at 90 minutes. It probably could have come in at 75. That's my mm-hmm. only complaint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I did also appreciate that, you know, I do find that a lot of kind of contemporary animated movies, they almost have too many characters and they're almost overly complex in um, their story and everything. But actually, this is a very kind of straightforward, easy watching film. Like I said, I think both kids and adults are going to really enjoy this one. What are you going to give it out of five? I'm going to give it three and a half out of five stars. Okay, yeah, not bad. I'd probably give it the same. Um, Let's move on to another film that's completely different. Emma Thompson, as you've never seen her before. Good luck to you, Leo Grande. That's right. So Emma Thompson in this film, she plays uh, Nancy Stokes, who is a retired teacher and a widow. And she hires a young, handsome sex worker named Leo Grande to explore sex and desire, having felt very unfulfilled in her own marriage. Let's take a clip. I'm Leo. You must be Nancy. May I come inside? Yes. Oh, God. This is crazy. Nancy? It's terrible. It's wrong. Nancy? Yes? Come have a dance with me. I, I guess I'm frustrated. No, I simply don't understand why you're doing this. This is to save up for our college. Oh, how wonderful. Are you really? No. <laughs> <laughs> a clip there from Good Luck to You, Leo Grande. I love anything that Emma Thompson's in. Oh, absolutely. And she is brilliant as always here. But I mean, this is a two-hander and I have to hand it to Daryl McCormick, who's an Irish actor. He's excellent in this as well. And it cannot be an easy job sharing the screen with the legend that is Emma Thompson. But he's absolutely brilliant in this film as well. Um, I really, really like this, I have to say. I thought it was a very sweet movie. I love the conversation that these two characters are having around, you know, some really sensitive topics like ageing, family, the sex industry, and offering these kind of fresh interesting perspectives on everything there's a lot of vulnerability in this film which is really kind of um, moving a lot of communication there's a lot of exchange of consent which I think is a kind of topic that isn't really integrated into TV and film um, all that much and just a lot of kind of sex positivity it's a tight 90 minute long feature as well which I know that you always appreciate Um, and I just thought it was really different as a film I thought it was really funny really moving I I just absolutely adored this film. I think that it's one that everyone should uh, go out and check out. What are you going to give it out of five? I'm going to give this four out of five stars. Absolutely love this, but both great options out at the cinema this weekend. Yeah, I love those. Okay, I think for me, I'm going to go see. Good luck to you, Leo Grande. Deirdre Malambi, as always, thanks a million, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for having me. If you want to find out what else is showing at the cinema, check out We Love Movies tomorrow morning from 8 o'clock with Gordon Hayden. This is the Bellissimo Files. Exclusive to Spin. A little earlier on the show, we reviewed Lightyear.
Now it is time to talk to the producer and filmmaker and director of the film. If you did miss the review, though, all you need to know is this is Buzz's origin story. Angus and Galen, congratulations on Lightyear. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Galen, you've been with the Toy Story franchise since the very beginning. Back in 1995, did you ever think it would it would look like this? Absolutely not. I didn't even know we were making a movie in 1995. Let's be clear. We were What? <laughs> I mean, I did, but I didn't because we had there hadn't been a movie made on computers before. So from all of us, we we were like making a series of images. I didn't really realize it was going to feel like a movie until we saw it in the theater with what we call normal people, and went, oh, wow, I think we made a movie. <laughs> so, no, I had no idea that this is where we were headed. So, Angus, you joined now with Lightyear, um, and you've said that you wanted this film to be separate to Toy Story. How do Absolutely. you tread that fine line? Because people are coming because they love the character, but then you also want to make it your own. Well, the key is to make Buzz recognisable in in the his core uh, character and Buzz's core character is that he's just—he's usually separated from the uh, the group he's around. There's there's a disagreement over the nature of reality. And in Toy Story, uh, Buzz is separated from Woody. Woody says he's a toy. Buzz thinks he's a space ranger. So with that idea, we had Buzz in kind of a, a, a character out of time in in Lightyear to separate him from the people he meets. Buzz is a superhero, and Galen, a lot of people think of you as a superhero, especially when it comes to Toy Story 2. It only recently came out that that film almost didn't make it. But thanks to you, how did you become the hero of that story? Oh, that's so funny. It's definitely not a superhero. Um, super mom, maybe. Uh, I I was working in the evenings at home because I wanted to be with my new family. I had um, recently had a young child, a baby, and I had a young child at home. And um, so I would copy the the film onto a computer and then bring it home once a week. And one day, lo and behold, somebody accidentally deleted the entire film and we didn't have any usable backups. And that was the only copy we had. Thank goodness for Supermum. Supermum to the rescue. <laughs> and believe you me, technology's improved a lot since then. We would never encounter something like this again. But Angus, one thing that is sort of the same since then is that these films take a long time to make. And it's like Buzz, you know, he goes on this on this mission and he feels like he's been gone for four minutes, a day max, but he's been gone for four years and some months. When you come out at the other end of this, how do you feel going back into life? Uh, pretty much what, what the way Buzz feels. I mean, the, the production cycle of the animated film at Pixar is pretty much what inspired the idea of time dilation or using time dilation for light year. And so in, in an effort to write what you know, that's what we've decided to do is take that aspect of that and apply it to a film. But yeah, it definitely feels like that where you have been so focused on this mission that when you finally get done with the mission, uh, everything's changed. And you everyone looks a little bit older. You don't feel any older, but you definitely are. And then... Uh, and that's basically uh, where, where we got that idea. You decided not to go with Tim Allen for this. You went with Chris Evans, who is perfect in the role. Why did you decide to go down that route? Tim Allen is the great Buzz Lightyear the toy. Absolutely, definitively. Um, that's a sidekick char character. A little bit of a, you know, he's a little bit of comedic relief. Um, we needed to do a film that had a fully well-rounded complex character that could be the star of his own film and so we needed we needed something a little bit more well-rounded 
we also needed that separation because there was so much confusion already about how this film related to the Toy Story franchise. And one of the things that we thought would make it really clear is by recasting the voice. So for those two reasons, um, we started to look at what we needed for this character, somebody who um, is very good with the dramatics and somebody who also can do comedy but not under undermine his credibility, so to speak. Long, long laundry list, and Chris Evans was by far first choice, and in fact, our, our only choice. Well, he was fabulous, and I'm going to wrap by saying I took my two kids to see this. I asked them how many stars would they give it, and they said infinity stars. <laughs> That's great. Lightyear is in cinemas now. This is the Bellissimo Files. Exclusive to Spin. It's been two years now since Gabrielle Applin's Dear Happy album. Since then, Gabrielle hit the massive milestone of one billion streams and now is back with some new music, releasing her latest single, Call Me, during the week. I got to catch up with her. Gabrielle, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I am loving Call Me, and I've heard you say this is your favourite song that you've ever written. Why? Yeah. Oh, do you know, um, it just felt like I was writing songs again for the first time before this was my job. And obviously I'm very grateful that this is my job, but sometimes if you have a hobby and something you love, you kind of have to have something else as well. And with the lockdown, I guess it's not a lockdown song, but it was in that lockdown. I just done Dear Happy. So I didn't have anyone hounding me to make an album or, you know, I wasn't being sent in writing sessions. So I, this was just me writing because I had nothing else to do. And this is, um, you know, that's just what I do. You know, some people are like, oh, I draw or I run or I like to read or whatever. And like, I was just writing because I had to write and it was just, me just spilling my thoughts out. You've called this the start of a new era. How is this Gabrielle different from <laughs> Happy Gabrielle even? Oh my God. So Dear Happy Gabrielle was depressed. Um, and I wanted to make Dear Happy because I wanted something that was just sugary and shiny and made me happy to make as well as to perform and, and to pass that over to people who wanted to listen to it. Um, I guess everyone might feel this as well. In the two years, since the start of 2020, I feel like I'm a completely different person. And everyone I know, especially artists that I've spoken to, definitely feel that too. Um, and I just kind of, I, I moved back to Somerset where I'm from. I, um, you know, I just feel like I've become who I really am. I love your campaign around Call Me. You oh. have a text line. And, like, this is a great way for fans to get in contact with you and for you to connect with your fans. Tell me why that was important for you. Even before, like, we set anything up, I... I, I take it quite seriously. I've worked with like major labels and I've worked with AWOL and my own label and we're releasing independently now. And what's so good about that is I can go in with like a presentation and be like, these are my ideas and they want to hear them. And it's really nice. They, they want to work based on what I give them. Um, and my whole goal the whole time was to have people who like my music involved in what we do and a connection to people who want to listen to my songs. I think it's actually really what matters. There's so much, you know, stuff and you're like, oh, interviews, oh, music videos all the things but like really it's just about the people who want to listen to your songs um you know and they're the most important thing so I was you know set AWOL on a little adventure to go and find some ways for me to connect to fans myself you know um we couldn't find a call me line but a text line you know as close as we can get so we finally have the song and now we're going to be greedy and go, are there more coming? Yeah. Is there an album on the way? Yeah, there is. I mean, I don't know how, you know, what's really exciting is it can release an album or a project or a collection of songs in so many different ways now. Um, so I've made a collection of songs. I don't know how they're going to come out as a, 
piece of work. But um, yeah, there's definitely more on the way. And touring plans? Not yet, but there will be. There are plans. So this is not, I haven't announced anything yet, but I had, I've only just finished my tour that got postponed in 2020. So like, that does yeah. feel really odd. It was bizarre because also like when I started that tour, all those songs were new. Yeah. And now I finished it on there really old. We played Call Me on the tour because I felt like I needed to honour who I am now as well. Um, but, you know, yeah, it was just a very surreal, very surreal situation. But, and it yeah, must great. be because like you released the album in 2020 and like in two years, people change. But this has mm. been like this goes without saying this has been a two years like no other. So the change is astronomical. So I'm sure when you're singing yeah. those songs, you feel like a completely different person. It feels like it was 10 years ago. And I, yeah, I am. And I mean, it's, it's nice to kind of delve back into those things. You know, it's like putting on a costume and then you take it off again and then you put another one on. But yeah, it's just, it was just so surreal. And how does it feel when you're told that you've just hit one billion Straight. Who are all these people? Where are they coming from? <laughs> um, it's just mad. It's just mad. Because I'm an independent artist. So, like, you know, anything, anytime there's a milestone, I just feel incredibly lucky. I don't take it for granted, you know. Well, do you know what? There's going to be plenty more of those milestones because you're going to keep releasing music for us to enjoy. Gabrielle, I'm so glad you're back and you're happy in this era. Yeah. Yes, I am. Very much so. Before I let you go, will you introduce your new track for us? Yes. Woo. Oh, my God. This is the first time I've done this. This is my first oh, one. Great. Take it away. Oh, I know. Hi, I'm Gabrielle Aplin, and this is my new single, Call Me, on the Bellissimo Files. You know who you are. This is the Bellissimo Files. Exclusive to Spin. There's a new film out called The Lost Girls. It's based on the final chapter of Peter Pan and on the novel of the same name, The Lost Girls. It tells Wendy's story. Like her grandmother and her mother before her, Wendy must escape Peter Pan's hold on her and the promises that he wants her to keep, but are just impossible to keep. The writer, director and star of the film is Livia DePaulis. I caught up with her recently. Livia, great to meet you and congratulations on The Lost Girls. Thank you so much. Livia, you not only wrote this, you starred in it, you directed it. Were there any days where you just went, what am I doing? Yes. So that happened um, actually before, like a little bit before, because the movie was set up, you know, before COVID and we had, you know, great cast attached and we had finances and then... Uh, and then COVID happened and it all fell apart. And at some point, you know, I, I, I'm still amazed that the movie eventually did get made. So when we were recasting the film and we were re, you know, really trying to, to, to keep it together, at some point I said, uh, okay, what about if we cast someone else in my, you know, in the role that I wrote for myself? That's, you know, eventually I just want to get the movie made. And at that point, it was the sales agent and one of the producers that were like, mm, I think it's a little too late for that. I think <laughs> you're going to have to do it now. <laughs> and during the shooting, no, there hasn't been a time where I thought, what am I doing? Because uh, I didn't have the time to think about it. You've got some incredible cast in this. Can we start with Louis Partridge? Peter Pan is a very hard role to cast. I think he's a great actor. But why did you think he's the one to be our Peter Pan? So there is a story there because we auditioned. You know, Louis, uh, at the time, he had 
had done Hanoa Holmes. Hanoa Holmes was in post-production. Yeah. So we knew that he had done Hanoa Holmes, but he, uh, you know, we didn't know what Enola Holmes was and we didn't know what was going to happen. So he auditioned for the part and he was just great. I mean, he's great. Like yeah. not only he has a great look and also like, you know, when he auditioned, it was like now two years ago, more than two years ago, he was younger. And at that age, you know, they changed so fast. Yeah. So, you know, he, he wasn't, he wasn't Louis Partridge. <laughs> I mean, it was Louis Partridge, but it wasn't Louis Part- the, the Louis Partridge we now know. Yeah. You know, production wanted to do with the Peter Pan that looked more like Peter Pan, like more like a blonde, blue-eyed kind yeah. of guy. And I just said, no, I think we should cast this guy. <laughs> Thank God. Peter Pan and the Lost Girls, it's all about adventure. When you look back at this adventure, how are you going to look back on it? I think this movie has strangely, you know, it has changed me. It has changed, like I moved from New York to London. Like it happened at a time where a lot of things happen in my life. You know, I think it's going to, it's going to continue to be a special film from like the casting, the first round of casting, the second round of casting, which is even better. (laughs) And the making of the film, like with masks and tests, COVID tests that weren't even available back then. And, you know, the, the, the COVID scare and like, luckily nothing happened. And we filmed in the house in which I was living. <laughs> this is real independent filmmaking. And, uh, you know, the people involved and everything, it's just, it's just, and they reprinted the book and I'm on the cover of the book. How's that? Because <laughs> this, that is one, this is one of your favorite books. So to see yourself on the cover of a book that you used to read. That has to be a bit, whoa. Yeah, it's magical. Which is perfect for this story. And I I think, you know, you were talking about COVID and the hardship that we've all had over the last three years. But one thing that we have learned is is we all have to have a little bit of Peter Pan within us because it is our imagination, it is our adventure, our sense of all that gets us through these really tough times. Absolutely. Definitely this. It has always been for me. (laughs) And the making of this film. It's always been for me a bit of like, you know, wishful thinking and then willful action. Wishful thinking, willful action. I love that. You've got another adventure on the way. You're currently back in Italy and you're filming Mafia Mama with Tony Collette and Catherine Hardwick. Tell me about this. Yes. It's amazing. I can't really say anything. It's not my movie, so we shouldn't talk about it. But um, I absolutely uh, love Catherine's work. And Tony, I think, is one of the very best actresses of her generation. And it was just a dream come true to be able to work with these two women. We can't wait to see that and to find out more about Mafia Mama. But before that... Oh, it's going to be funny. It's a comedy wait. and it's really, really funny. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. But in the meantime, The Lost Girls is out for all of us to enjoy. Can't wait to see what your next adventure brings us, Livia. Thank you so much. You can stream The Lost Girls now on altitude.film, iTunes or the Sky Store. Let's go. This is a new music spotlight. On the Bellissimo Files. On the Bellissimo Files. Producer Aoife is sunning herself in Lisbon. So, 
coming in this week to help us out is producer Jamie. Jamie, thanks for stepping in. It is a hard job to cover, but I hope we're uh, we're doing our best anyway. <laughs> nice one having us back anyway, yeah. Uh, thank you for coming back. You've got some great new music. You've put Halsey up against Post Malone. Yeah, there's so much good uh, music out there at the moment. But yeah, two of my favourite tracks at the moment that I've decided to put back to back. Uh, Halsey's so good. She was on the Jimmy Fallon show the other night playing this tune and uh, very catchy, very good. Let's have a quick listen, shall we? to say now I wasn't a big Halsey fan like prior to this one but like I like the acoustic vibe it's kind of like old school 2000s and uh, when she played it with the live band on Jimmy Fallon I thought I kind of put a different twist on it so it kind of gave me a different perspective on the whole Halsey thing and the song itself I like it I'm all for it yeah, I don't, I don't mind it, but you've put Halsey up against um, Post Malone and Doja Cat. Listen, uh, a collaboration that I personally wouldn't have expected. The kind of Post Malone has been quiet for quite some time, as a lot of people might know who are into the pop culture. Uh, he became a father recently to a baby girl, and he recently got engaged. So this is his first release after all of that, and a lot of the stuff that he was releasing uh, kind of prior was a little bit darker. And he's kind of like I put a a very He's put a stamp on it as like letting people know this is not another sad song because in brackets it is called a happier song. It's oh, with Doja like Cat. It's catchy. Let's have a listen. Is it still classic Post Malone? It, you know what? It isn't. It isn't. It's classic Post Malone with the vocals singing and singing and stuff. But it's kind of it's you can hear a lot. It's a, a it's a more positive Post Malone. Oh, let's have a listen. There we go. Okay, you were saying that, you know, this is Post Malone mm. being a bit happier, but there's just no doubt when he releases something, you mm. just know it's him. Yeah, it's that, like, it's sounds weird as well as that he always sings with the auto-tune on his voice, right? But if you've ever actually seen Post Malone sing live, he sounds better without it. So why does he do like you're going to know the answer? Like, <laughs> Hold on, let me tell why, you, I'll get him on the phone now. I, I wonder why he does that, though, because I have had friends see him live and yeah. say he's amazing live. Yeah, he like, was seen him at Longitude a couple of years ago, which, of course, Spin is the official media partner for, if you didn't know. Um, and, yeah, on, on one of the best acts, not only of that weekend, but like I've ever seen. The oh, energy wow. was just incredible. So, yeah, really good. Okay, well, this is a hard one. It's up to you to decide. Halsey or Doja Cat and Post Malone, head over to our Insta stories at official spin1038 take that poll while you're doing that new music from Moncrief yeah, so Moncrief is an artist who was kind of around back just before the pandemic in 2020, but like when the pandemic hit, he just disappeared. So I, for one, kind of thought like, you know, where has he gone? Has he given up on the music thing? And then he came out of nowhere with this brand new track and basically it just said like, you know, he took the lockdown the whole time to kind of just sit back and uh, do some writing sessions on Zoom, write some new music and he was just, had no pressure to release any new music until he felt the time was right. He's back. This track, it's called and it's very good.
I'm loving that, Jamie. Um, someone else who's got new music, Smiles. Yes, Smiles is a, a band from Denmark and uh, they've released a cover of the 1985 classic tune by Kate Bush, Running Up That Hill, which of course became number one again because of Stranger Things. A different twist, a more of a dancey kind of twist. It's very good, it's very catchy. Let's have a listen. I know, well, it's the people's vote. Yes, they have voted. And what they have they voted decided, for? And I'm all for it. Doja Cat, Post Malone, I Like You, a happier song. I like it. It's Spin. This is my song. You voted that. You're Belissa My Files Single of the Week. It is Post Malone and Doja Cat on Spin. Loving that you are. And yeah, of course, you can listen to more songs like that on the Spin Fresh stream, which you can find on our app, which if you don't have it, you are, of course, missing out. Loads of streams available on it. On the Go Loud app is where you can find it. Up next on, I was going to say on the Belissa My Files, but we're done. Jamie and I are out. Up next on Spin, it's Jess. But before that, just wanted to tell you about the next couple of weeks show. We've got some big names coming up. I'm so excited. Elvis is finally, finally hitting cinemas next week. And on next week's show, I'm catching up with the man behind Elvis, Baz Luhrmann. I absolutely love him. And in a couple of weeks' time, we may have um, Steve Carell on the show. Shh, I didn't say that. But anyway, come back next week and we'll have a massive show. Enjoy what's left of your weekend. Bye. This is the Bellissimo Files. Exclusive to Spin.